Project Go, this series that we're now in, is all about a command that Jesus Christ, our leader, gave to his disciples, including us, just before he left the earth. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, he said to his disciples, including us, I want you to go. Go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And if you will do that, I promise I will go with you every step of the way. And that's essentially what we're talking about. The Oak Hills Church, we look into the Word of God and we take the teachings of our Savior seriously. By the way, I recommend you do that in your own personal life. That whenever you open up the Word of God, whether it's the teaching of Jesus or the Apostle Paul or someone from the Old Testament, the Bible has been given to us as a roadmap for a kind of life that builds blessing into our life. And so we want God's blessing and so we follow the commands of Jesus. We wanted to make sure that everyone at the Oak Hills Church knew the answer to three questions. Who are we? Uh, what are we called to be? And where we are going? And we put the answer to those three questions on a little bracelet that has five figures on it. And uh, we have passed out over 10,000 of these bracelets and we have run out. But more are coming next week. So if you are here for the first time, maybe you have been out on the road traveling, uh, we want to get one of these bracelets to you so that everyone here knows the answer to those three questions. Now those of you who have your bracelet on, raise your hand so I know that you're here. Those of you who forgot your bracelet but have one, uh, raise your hand. Alrighty, ushers, come get them. Don't you feel naked right now? Let's go over it and help those that are maybe here for the first time in a while uh, to know what the answer to those three questions are. Uh, there are five figures. We're going to place them across the screen. A body, a cross, a house, the letters S-A, and a world. Here's how it goes. Say it with me. We are the body of Christ, called to be Jesus in every neighborhood in San Antonio and beyond. Let's say it together. We are the body of Christ, called to be Jesus in every neighborhood in San Antonio and beyond. After two years of the elders and ministers and even the congregation of diving into the word of God and praying, we believe, based upon this command, that our Savior is calling us to go into four specific places. In our uh, week one together, we laid out that first place. Listen carefully. We believe, with God's help, he is calling us to, an, to establish an Oak Hills campus in all 10 districts of San Antonio. We have four of them already up and running in San Antonio, and we have six more to go. And with God's help, we will be able to accomplish this. But we're also willing to go outside of San Antonio if he so calls us like he has done in the city of Fredericksburg and also in the city of Bernie, where our new Bernie Barn Church is meeting. I love it. And we were overwhelmed in this first week when we ask you to consider a personal go plan for yourself as it relates to the different campuses around San Antonio and beyond. And some of those responses, for example, 546 people signed up to help in our host ministry. And I saw that number and I thought, if any more people signs up, we're not going to have anybody to host. But we were excited. 496 people checked that they would be interested in checking out serving in our children's ministry called Bible Land. And listen to this. 310 people said, count me in to serve in our student ministries, not only on the campus, but around San Antonio and beyond. 
And, and Max and I simply want to say, awesome. Last week, we talked about the second place that we believe God is calling us to go. We believe, listen carefully, we believe that God is calling us to establish a new thing called area communities honeycombed across the city of San Antonio. Now, if you weren't here last week, you're going to be hearing more and more about this in the days and weeks and months and even years to come. What is an area community? An area community is a collection of no more than 150 adults who live in a geographical area led by an elder and supported by a staff. We received hundreds of cards, literally hundreds upon hundreds of cards last weekend as we talked about this new initiative that God has laid on our heart and our lives of, and asked you to consider what might be your go plan in being involved in these new area communities as they begin to form this fall and on into the future. And we want to say to you, based upon the responses, Max and I want to say, way to go. Listen to this. 1,452 people said they are ready to dive in to the area community around them as soon as it emerges. That's not just individuals, but lots of them are families. 547 people said that they would serve on an area compassion team to initiate uh, area compassion projects within your area community. That is unbelievably awesome. As we look at the response of the congregation, ready to be suited up and put to work as ministers of Jesus Christ, we conclude that something is brewing here at Oak Hills. Today I want to talk to you about the third place that we believe God is calling us to go. I want you to listen very carefully because this is an audacious vision that we believe God is giving to us to accomplish in our lifetime. We believe that God is calling us with his help to establish his presence in every single neighborhood in San Antonio. Every single neighborhood in San Antonio and now Bernie and also the beautiful city of Fredericksburg. If you brought your Bible today, I want to encourage you to turn to Acts chapter 17. I just want to show you two verses in the book of Acts, some things that the Apostle Paul said through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to the people he was speaking to at Mars Hill. What he is going to give us here is a principle that is still in play today, and it involves every single person who is hearing my words right now. This principle applies to your very life. Acts chapter 17 and verse 26, Paul says, from one man he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth. Now here's the part I wanted you to see. He determined the times set for them and the exact places where they would live. Acts chapter 17 verse 26 is telling us that God has predetermined the exact time set for all of us and the exact places where we live. In the original language of the Greek, the word exact in English means exact. You see, in the lower story, many of us believe that we live where we're currently living because of lower story circumstances. We live where we live because we lost our job and we had to downsize. We got a promotion or a new job and we wanted to move it on up. We live where we live because we were mesmerized by the new stainless steel appliances and the granite countertops or the new master bedroom suite. That's why we live where we live. Or we live where we live because it's the apartment closest to the campus where I go to school or 
it is closest to my workplace. Acts chapter 17 verse 26, God is saying, not so. You are living, every single one of you, you are living where you're living at this moment in time based upon divine appointment. God says, I have arranged for you to be right where you're at at this exact time. Uh, about 20 years ago, Roseanne and I came upon this principle, and after our first neighborhood, we've moved about four times, and after that, we decided that uh, when we moved, we would ask, where was God calling us to be? Instead of picking a house or an apartment based upon what was on the inside, we picked a place based upon the people on the outside. And we opened up our lives to say, God, where are you calling us to live? Matter of fact, ago, uh, we lived three years before we came here in the city of Chicago, in the northwest suburbs, a little town called Barrington. And as we were looking for a place to live, as uh, we were to move to Chicago, we narrowed it down to two neighborhoods, one over here and then one over here. Now, the one over here, we thought, this might be a good place for us because there's already a family living in this neighborhood that we know. We knew them when we were in Fort Worth and she worked on the staff of the church that I was going to be serving at. We thought how cool it would be to move into a neighborhood where there's already another believing family that we could do life with. So we set up a time to go over and have some dinner with them one evening before we purchased a home and we walked up their sidewalk to their front door, rang the doorbell, knocked, they opened up, let us in. And we had a wonderful evening together. Turns out the husband, who we didn't know at the time, is an introvert. An introvert. And as you might suspect, I'm not. I'm an extrovert. And so he was curious about this whole idea of us moving into their neighborhood and this notion of establishing the presence of Christ. And so he asked the question, what would it look like, Randy, if you moved into our neighborhood? What would this neighborhood thing look like? I said to him, well, here's an example. I said, you know, tonight, uh, as I came up to your house, I rang the doorbell before I came in. He said, yeah. I said, if I move into your neighborhood, that's the last time I'll ring the doorbell. I'll just walk in. He looked at me with that deer in the headlight look, and he literally said, that's just plain scary. And I thought, all right, we lost him. But I put on the phrasy charm, and I was talking to him. We were slapping each other on the back and telling jokes. And by the time the evening came to a close, they, they took us to the front door, and, and Roseanne and I walked back down the sidewalk to our car, and I turned to Roseanne and I said, I think this is the place. What I didn't know until months later, as they closed the door on the other side of the house, the husband said to the wife, I hope they pick the other place. <laughs> true story, true story. But we ended up picking their place. We moved in and developed a very life-giving relationship. As God was calling us to reach out to all who lived in that neighborhood, God had planted this family to be a partner with us and gave us life. Matter of fact, we just went back to Chicago for the first time in two years since we left a couple of weeks ago and we set up a time to get together with them for dinner and we had some Chicago pizza on the back of their patio and when we walked up to that same sidewalk into that same door instead of ringing the doorbell I checked the doorknob and he had left it unlocked for me and I just walked in and he had a smile on his face we moved into the neighborhood and about six months later four doors down on the other side of the street uh 
a new family moved in, a younger family than us, a young man, his wife, and two younger daughters in elementary school. And we went down, took a plate of cookies to them, introduced ourselves. We began hanging out as a family. He liked to golf, and so we golfed the two months you can golf in Chicago. We did that together, and we started doing dinners as a family. And the two girls would come down in my overpriced bungalow in Chicago, and I would play the banjo almost every evening on the front porch. And they were the only two who would ever come and listen to me. And I like them. Matter of fact, they, they gave me the nickname that still works to this day when we were there w visiting with them. They gave me the name Banjo Man. Banjo Man. Isn't that a, a good name? Banjo Man. And I, uh, uh, as you go to Chicago today and you give the word uh, Banjo Man uh, out, they'll say, oh, that's Randy Frazee. He's the one who played the hideous instrument into all hours of the night. Wonderful relationships that we developed. Why? Why does God uh, do this? Why does he get down into this kind of a detail so that every single one of you currently lives where you're living at this appointed time? Well, Paul tells us in verse 27 the answer to that question. Look at verse 27. God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out to him, for him, and find him, though he is not far away from each one of us. I think God put in every neighborhood, in every apartment, every dormitory, every military house, every assisted living place, every nursing home, just the right believer at just the right time. Why? So that when those who don't know him seek him, usually during seasons of hardship, they will find God because he is not that far away. You see, the Bible teaches us that those of us who accept Jesus Christ into our life, God's new place of residence is within us. And when one of his people accepts him, he's just a couple of doors down. This new family that moved in, one of the interesting things is, is the husband wasn't a follower of Jesus. But that didn't matter. We hung out together. And as a matter of fact, they even joined our monthly neighborhood gathering, something I'm going to tell you about in just a moment. And they enjoyed all of the relationships that began to expand and develop in the neighborhood. About a year and a half into this relationship, he came down the street, just four doors down across the street, and he knocked on my door, and he was crying. His family had come, up, come against a major crisis that threatened to destroy their family. And he was hurting. And he came to me. Why did he come to me? He came to me because I was just four doors down and across the street. Proverbs chapter 27 and verse 10 says, Better a neighbor nearby than a brother far away. And he shared with me his story. And because I had earned the right to say to him what I needed to say, because we have a year and a half long relationship where we hung out together, I said to him, if you really want to give your family the best opportunity of coming back together, you need to lay a better foundation for your life that involves a personal relationship with God. And he said, I'm ready. And I literally took him by the hand and walked him four doors down and crossed the street, went into his living room, and there in the presence of his wife, he humbled himself and accepted Jesus Christ as his Savior. And I had the privilege of baptizing his family about a month later, and we have a picture of it. To me, folks, that is the ball game. That's what it's all about. 
We went and saw them just two weeks ago when we went to Chicago as well. And we got in a round of golf and later we got together with our families for dinner. And he said to me with tears in his eyes, his family intact and doing better than ever. He said, Randy, we've been talking and we believe that God had you move all the way from Fort Worth to Chicago just for us. That you would be, you guys would be just the right people for us right there when a crisis hit our life. We believe that's why God brought you here. We uh, moved to Chicago uh, June the 12th, 2005. Our intent was to be there as long as seven years, but for whatever reason, God tugged at our hearts and called us to San Antonio. And so on June the 12th, the same exact day, 2008, only three years later, we took that one-way flight to San Antonio. And my wife and I have pondered a lot about what was that three years about. And we've pretty much concluded that it had very little to do with us and what we thought we were going there to do. And it had more to do with other people. And for whatever reason in God's sovereign plan, he simply said, Randy and Roseanne's family would be just the right family to have a couple of doors down to be my presence for a family that's going to need some help. And so he picked us up from Fort Worth and moved to Chicago. And when all the relationships that he needed to have helped through our family were done, God blessed us and let us move back to Texas. And all the phrases said amen to that. What if, what if we had a small band of believers in every neighborhood who come together and they agree to simply be the presence of Jesus in that neighborhood. Matthew chapter 18 and verse 20, Jesus told us that it only takes as few as two or three people who gather together in his name and he promises he'll show up. You don't need to be massively skilled and have all kinds of talents. You just need to gather humbly in his name and when he shows up, he does his best work. This small group, again, making up of, made up of only two or three households or apartment units to start off, would come together and create a place of belonging for each other, a sense of family, a sense of friendship, like we had with that first family that I talked about, a life-giving relationship. And you know something? We have found over these 20-some years that it is just a lot easier to park your car and not to commute across town for a friendship. We have found it to be much more life-giving when we naturally run into each other's life during the course of the week, leaving the neighborhood, checking the mail, walking the dog, taking out the trash. Again, I quote Proverbs 27.10, Better a neighbor nearby than a brother far away. What if that same little band of believers would commit to helping each other grow up in Christ? Which is the way to live? In the words of Hebrews 10.24, what if we considered how to spur each other on to love and to good deeds. And finally, what if this little band of believers agreed to be Jesus right there to the rest of the neighbors who were needing help or seeking God to simply serve them? You see, then God's presence wouldn't be too far away. Just across the cul-de-sac, across the hall, up a flight of stairs, this little band of Christ followers would be a lighthouse to a person who's come upon a dark time. What if we had one of those in every neighborhood 
in every apartment in San Antonio, I believe it would change our city. I believe it would turn our city upside down. Maybe better, it would turn our city right side up. But the question is, how would we go about doing that? How would we go about doing that? And Roseanne and I have been thinking about this for 20-some years now as it's become a reality in our life. How could we offer it up to really busy people in such an easy but effective way? And we've come up with a simple process, and I'd like to show off my uh, art talent um, while I share with you this process, okay? This is going to impress you, so hold your applause. It begins with a single person or a single family who raises their hand and says, I would like to get this started in our neighborhood or our apartment, to be a neighborhood leader or to be a neighborhood host. We're not asking that you have all the talent. We're just saying, would you raise your hand and say, we'd like to get it started. If you raise your hand and say, yes, we'd like to get it started, I promise you that we will come alongside of you and we will train you and we will hold your hand every step of the way. I also promise you that we'll inform the elder over your area to come alongside of you and to pray for you and to encourage you as well. So this whole process begins with a single individual or a family who says, we'd like to get this thing started. The second thing that it involves is something that's always involved at the Oak Hills Church, and that is this. See if you know what I'm talking about. Those are praying hands. Like I needed to tell you. I mean, it's so obvious. This is like Picasso doing his best work, you know. Maybe I should put an eyeball over here off to the side or something like that. With everything we do at Oak Hills, we invite that leader or that family to begin praying in your neighborhood for your neighbors. And we believe God will begin to stir. And as you pray, we're going to be specifically asking you to be on the lookout for other Christ followers in your neighborhood, whether they go to Oak Hills or they go to some other church. And really all you're looking for in the words of Jesus in Matthew 18 is two or more other believing households who would say, we will join forces with you to ignite the presence of Christ in this neighborhood. You need a community around you. And once you have that, we're going to invite this small group of believers to start what we call the monthly neighborhood gathering. It is simply a monthly gathering where you're going to be invited to do four specific things. Four things. Okay? Now this first one is one of my favorite and for the most guys in this room it's one of your favorite as well. And so in just a moment I'm going to ask you to make that Tim tool time Taylor noise. You know? The very first thing we're going to ask you to do is to eat. And all the men said? Someone asked me to see if the women can do it. Women? I have to tell you, that sounds... Never mind. Never mind. Never mind. So, uh, it's uh, more than just filling up our stomachs. The Bible teaches us that when believers gather around the table to share a meal, something dynamic happens. And so these monthly neighborhood gatherings involve a meal. Number two, it involves the Word. We're going to invite this small band of believers to open up the Word of God and to simply read a chapter, maybe out of one of the New Testament letters. Why? Because the New Testament letters have been given to us to teach us how to live life in God's community in the midst of a secular world. Our neighborhood gathering made up of folks who go to six different churches, read through the book of James chapter by chapter in this monthly neighborhood gathering, and now we're in the book of Galatians, and God is showing us unbelievable things about how to live our life.
The third thing that we ask this group to do when they gather monthly is to pray. To pray for each other and to begin to bring the prayer request of the neighbors right around you into that gathering, knowing that if God's people pray, he begins to move. And the final and fourth thing we're going to ask you to do is to serve. To simply seek to serve the people in your neighborhood. It could be as simple as coming alongside of a single mother who needs help with her kids. It could involve coming alongside of an elderly couple and helping them by getting on a ladder and changing a light bulb or getting dead leaves out of their gutters. It could involve simply helping a family that just had a new baby come into their home, provide them some meals or a word of encouragement. That's really what it involves. Matter of fact, I came across uh, this story as stories are beginning to pour in from folks from Oak Hills. Here's how their email reads. My sister... Kathy has a knack for finding people in need. She also has a knack for filling the need. When a neighbor admired her roses, it was natural for Kathy to offer recommendations and help her place an order. Sounds simple enough, right? Not really. Not my, with my sister. The roses showed up a few days later and there were holes to be dug and dirt to be hauled. Kathy showed up, pitchfork in hand and ready to work. Word got around, and the next thing I knew, Kathy was across the street at another neighbor's house. He watched her two-year-old while she wielded the pitchfork again. She dug, neighbors talked, and there was no doubt in anyone's mind that Kathy cared. The conversation has continued now across many weeks and has found its way into deeper topics about life and faith and parenting and so much more. I tell Kathy, she is the founder of the Dirt Ministry. <laughs> that is so cool. Now, when you begin to meet monthly, what would you do the other 30 days of the week? We believe that two things should emerge. Number one, we would invite you the other 30 days of the week to just spend more time at home lingering and wondering, God, why did you place me here at this exact time. To park the car, to cool your jets, to follow your doctor's order to get your blood pressure down, to maybe put a couple of chairs in the front yard. I just read an article in the, out of the Chicago newspaper that said uh, that they now have a name for what, um, when, when a neighbor puts two uh, chairs in his front yard. You know what they call it now? A micro park. I love that. So maybe God is calling you to establish a micro park in your neighborhood. I want to tell you about another story real quick that I just got. This is a cool, this is a, a, a came from three families in our congregation. Our families were recently connected through the Making Room for Summer program. We all live very near one another, but honestly, we probably would never have met each other without some help, and that would have been a shame. We are all, we all care about our neighbors. We just didn't know most of them, and we hadn't taken much action to overcome that deficit. Yet within a few weeks of meeting our new small group, we found spiritual encouragement from each other and decided to have a neighborhood watermelon social. Despite my pessimism that people wouldn't show up on a 96 degree Sunday evening, we had over 60 people in our front yard within a few minutes of cutting the first watermelon. With minimal effort or planning on our part, God greatly exceeded our expectations and blessed us with some of the greatest interactions as people lingered, mingled, and connected in a way that we could not have predicted. We soon realized that everyone is looking for connections and community. They just needed an opportunity. 
we are already looking forward to a soup night when the weather cools off, <laughs> if that ever happens. And we thank you for encouraging us to catalyze the plan that God has for our community. The second thing we see happening, we envision, is neighborhood Bible studies starting all over the city of San Antonio and beyond. The reason I say this is I don't know if you know this or not, but right now in San Antonio and other parts of our country, people are hungering for spiritual truth. They're really hungering for the word of God. And most of them will not show up. It's too scary into a church building with all the complexities of that. But maybe your living room would be just the right safe place for, the com- for them to come in. My wife, Roseanne, started in partnership with some of our other ladies in our neighborhood last year, and they're planning on starting again this fall, a ladies' Bible study. And they get together, a handful of them, 16, 20 of them. Matter of fact, Roseanne told me that a new lady signed up yesterday. And uh, so they get together and have a great time. Now, the men of the neighborhood, men are always about a year behind. No, two years behind. Okay, maybe five years behind, but in our particular case, we were just a year behind, and uh, I'm going to open up my home on Saturday morning. I asked the men to bring an empty coffee mug. I'll fill it with coffee, bring your Bible, and we're going to study through the book of Romans together. Now, when the women get together, they get together for three hours. Men, one hour. So you can design these Bible studies according to your gender needs. Men, one hour. We envision Bible studies being started all over the city of San Antonio and beyond. Now, the only thing left is for us to talk about what are some opportunities for you that God may be leading you to be involved in this fall. And so I'm going to ask you to take your program, and I'm going to ask you if you would, uh, we're going to do this on the count of three together, like we've done the previous weeks, to take this last card that's perforated and tear it off together. All right? On the count of three. Ready? One, two, three. And I want you to get a pencil or a pen out. And if you don't have a pen, I'm going to invite uh, our ushers to come forward. All you have to do is raise your hand, uh, and they will give you a pen. And uh, we want everyone to fill one of these cards out. Turn it over on the side that says neighborhood. And as I present some of these opportunities to you, go ahead and start filling out your name, birth date, email, cell number. And if you know the name of your neighborhood or apartment community, I want you to write that on the last line. Now, as you're doing that, Let me give you a couple of opportunities that are available to you. First, related to belonging, related to finding a place of community in your neighborhood. If you are willing to join your neighborhood gathering, I would encourage you to check that off as a part of your go plan for this fall because we're going to be starting these all over the place and there may be one starting in your neighborhood. If you would say, if one does start, I may not be able to lead it right now, but I'd love to check it out, um, just check that box. Number two, and I'm hoping many of you push, put this down, maybe for you your fall go plan is just to make an intentional decision to spend more time with your neighbors, to be intentional. And if you check that box, we will get back with you on a lot of very simple and creative ideas from dirt ministry to cutting open a watermelon to even simpler things than that. So check that. Number two, Uh, under the area of growth, we have an opportunity for you to start a neighborhood Bible study. This fall, beginning September 11th and 12th, we're going to be studying here at the Oak Hills Church on all of our campuses on the same weekend, the book of Romans. And I cannot wait to begin this because there's a very specific reason I've chosen this book for us to go through. 
And if you would like to start a neighborhood Bible study on the book of Romans, you say, well, I can't teach, Randy. I just can't do that. For those of you who can, I'll lead a Bible study discussion. You're on your own. But for those of you who say, I need some help, I'm going to produce a little 10-minute uh, uh, DVD, no, a little 10-minute video that will be made available to you. So if you put together a neighborhood group and you would like to get that 10 minutes of teaching, all you have to do is push a button and then you can have some discussion from there. So if you would be interested, even in checking out the possibility of doing a, maybe a singles Bible study or men's or women's or couples or teenagers study through the book of Romans, check that and we'll get back with you on the resources that are available. And finally, three opportunities to serve. The first one I'm extremely excited about seeing who God will lead to check this box. Not every one of you needs to check this, but I'm extremely excited to become a neighborhood leader. That is the person that ignites the whole process in a neighborhood. If you're saying, hey, I don't know if I have the skill, I don't know if I have the talent, I'm a little nervous, but I'd like to raise our hand, we'd like to raise our hand and say, we'd like to check it out. I would encourage you to check that box. And over these four weeks, this is the one box that I'm extremely excited about because this is Roseanne and I's primary ministry of the Oak Hills Church. We consider this to be a holy calling on our life, as important, if not even more important than my teaching ministry here on the weekends is the role that Roseanne and I have in igniting the presence of Christ in the neighborhood where we live. And if you will check that box, Roseanne and I would like to meet with you as a group to share with you our story and answer any questions you have. So if you're interested in that, check that box. Secondly, join a CARES team in your area. If you would like uh, to, uh, if, if you're thinking to yourself, you know what, I think God is stirring in me to become a CARES team in an apartment community, you might want to check that. And after the service, go to Information Central where some of our other CARES team members are there. You get a free apartment. In exchange, you ignite the presence of Christ in that apartment community. Or maybe you live in one of the apartments we're in. If you have your program, you open it up to the middle section and the 16 apartment communities we're currently in are listed. If you live in one of those apartments already, check that and come alongside of your care team member to help them expand the presence of Christ for you and for the sake of the people God has right around you. Even if your lease is up and you're not feeling a sense of belonging in your current apartment, I would encourage you to pray and to consider moving to one of these apartments to expand the presence of Christ there. Or finally, uh, maybe you live uh, in an area that's a traditional conventional neighborhood, but you think that God is stirring in your life to come alongside the CARES team member in the apartment closest to your home to come alongside of them and help them. If that's something you're interested in, check that and we'll get back with you with more information. And finally, here's an easy idea. Here's something that has a beginning and ending. It all takes place in one day. Host a Neighbors Night Out on Tuesday, October the 5th. Neighbors Night Out has been something that's been going on for 27 years in America now. Now the rest of the, the, the states uh, celebrates this on August the 5th. But here in San Antonio, we celebrate it on October the 5th. Can anybody guess why? <laughs> because you could die. <laughs> because of the heat. So October the 5th, there is this cool opportunity for you to host a neighbor's night out. If that's something you're even maybe interested in, check it. Because we have tons of resources that will make this opportunity a simple experience for you if you offer it up in Jesus' name. So here are one, two, three, four, five, six opportunities to add to your go plan this fall as a church we seek to establish his beautiful presence in every neighborhood in San Antonio 
and beyond.